Welcome to Be and Think in the House of Trust. My name is Sylvain Moison from Conscious Innovation. And in this podcast, I am a thinking environment with people who ignite social and environmental impact through their investment funds, resources, and commitment for a better world. Today, I have the pleasure to welcome Oni Patton Power. She's an academic, an advisor, an author, an angel investor with a focus on directing innovative financing to organizations that create positive social and environmental impact. Oni works with funders globally to design innovative financing instruments and deploy capital. She helps people in the ecosystem find impact finance careers. And it doesn't stop here. She's also a founding member of the Dazzle Angels, a female angel investing group. Her first book, Adventure Finance, was published uh, recently, and she's working on a second one. Hi, Oni. Where are you in the world today? <laughs> I'm, I'm at home in Cape Town, uh, but thank you so much uh, for the lovely intro. It's lovely to be here. Oh, welcome, welcome. So as I was saying earlier, you're an academic, an advisor, an author, and an angel investor, the magic four A's. And you started in merger and acquisitions, investment banking. What made the shift happen for you? So I like to call myself a reformed investment banker. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I I think I, I came into the, the job market um, in the mid-2000s when there was just this, you know, kind of heatiness about investment banking being where, you know, the youngest and the brightest go. And I had graduated with a liberal arts degree. So, you know, no finance background, but mm -hmm. um, found myself very much swept up in it and, and honestly loved finance. I still, I mean, I love finance. It is, you know, my everyday, but um, it was pretty quick a couple of years in that I really felt quite a lot of discomfort with the types of deals that I was doing. Um, in particular, one that really stood out was a healthcare deal where, in essence, the, the the corporate board had asked us to figure out how to get around the limit that they were supposed to spend on patients so they could distribute more capital, essentially, to themselves. Um, and they were already paid you know, exceptionally handsomely, millions of dollars a year. And that just... I was just very uncomfortable with the fact that I realized I was quite good at finance, but I was using these skills to make the world potentially a worse place, um, not a better one. And so for me, there was this turning point. I read a book by Muhammad Yunus called A World Without Poverty, and he talked about this idea of social businesses um, and financing these social businesses. And I was you know, just really taken by that. So for me, it was, that was the, you know, this is back, you know, in the middle, middle of the financial crisis um, that um, I really said, no, I don't, I don't want to do, I want to do finance, but I want to find a way to do finance um, in, in a way that makes the world a better place. Hmm. So I'm hearing you wanted to get out of the discomfort and there was also the uncomfortable crisis uh, coming in your way. So there were double layers of yeah. uncomfortable things happening. And so then you move into uh, that new impact, uh, what's new for you, uh, that new ecosystem. And what do you learn straight away that you hadn't seen or learned before in these first months of exploration in, in social finance? 
Yeah, so it was it was not just new for me, it was new for the world. So this this was about um about a year after the the term impact investing had been coined. Um so I was um, you know trying to to figure out how to to get into this world. Um and when I did, I ended up working um for a very, very cool organization um out of India, United Capital. You know what was interesting? The a few months in, one of the things that I, I learned pretty quickly was that impact finance didn't actually look very different from traditional finance. Mm -hmm. And I was very excited about the possibility of it. But I remember sitting down, there was an organization I was working with that was signing um, a contract. I won't name them or their funder because they're both very well known. Mm -hmm. um, and I was looking through the term sheet and it was essentially a private equity 40 page term sheet, which was completely not Odd. the right type of document for this small enterprise. But it also had literally nothing about impact in it. Like, like, like there was like nothing in it. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, what I realized quite early on was that I loved this world and this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to figure out how to finance um, social organizations, but I was, again, quite uncomfortable with the fact that all it felt like we were doing was taking traditional financial structures and adding this impact layer. And so for me, I mean, it's 13 years ago, for me, the real drive of my career has been how do we build financial structures that embed impact um, that actually, you know, really reflect what we're trying to build as opposed to just seeing impact sometimes as a byproduct. Um, and that's where, you know, really looking at how impact can be within the structures, but also the processes, the incentives and the strategy um, through which we allocate capital. Mm, and term sheets, everything and all the documents to need to be adapted. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Okay, so you come to that realization that it's more of the same, the emperor new clothes, and then you say, well, i got to change that. How are you met by the people who are already in the system? Well, remember, I was I, I was I was a lowly analyst at this point. Um, so there was I was not I don't think I was shaking up the world um, impact investing world yet. Rather, there was a group of, of us that, um, you know, quite now, most of which are very you know, kind of senior um, in, in the impact investing world. But I think there was a, a group of us that were all asking mm -hmm. very similar questions around structures and you know how how to do this better I mean I think no one knew it's not that people came in and said oh this is exactly well there were some people that did that there were some finance professionals that came in and were like oh let's just this impact thing should be easy let's just quickly do this but you know, I think a lot of people did come in and were more humble and so asking questions and so there were a group of us I, I definitely didn't know what we should do I just was willing to kind of some ask some of these questions and so very much a group of us that um you know both virtually and kind of physically there was a a set of really interesting innovators within India in the ecosystem at that time and I think we you know just started asking questions I started writing um doing some work on you know what would alternative structures look like um as I was also you know mm -hmm. learning about how kind of the impact investing ecosystem was growing so I would say it was certainly a time of exploration um, and one that led me to go do another degree to go to Oxford and do my MBA with the idea of really wanting to learn about how like the intricacies of social finance. And that's why I chose Oxford, because it was the only course at the, at that time. It was the only course in the world that had a social finance um, course. It was the only program that had a social finance course. There were lots of um, organizations or lots of programs that had social enterprise courses. Mm -hmm. 
that. But there was that was the only one um, that I could find. Now there are hundreds of MBA mm. programs that have social finance and impact investing courses. But you know, again, this was 12, 11, 12 years ago. So it just wasn't the case then. Right. And there's a lot of also opening MBAs that are well, the courses that have got MBA in the title, but are also accessible to for people around the world. Um, totally. So I'm hearing that there is a first a discomfort, then very quickly the humility and the opportunity to ask questions and to learn more. It, it strikes me that you you're you got that capacity to connect different worlds. You know, the founders, the founders. You, are, you sit on different boards, the academic world, and I know from your bio and from listening to you, your governmental institutions, what do you wish um, wasn't getting lost in translation all this time where people work on impact finance, social finance? Yeah, so, I, you know, it's interesting. I was talking about this the other day um, in a, um, an interview that I was doing. I, I really wish... Um, individuals that have this significant um, impact experience really felt validated and empowered enough to come to the table when designing structures because what I see whether it's whether it's designing structures or creating strategies is I I see a a huge power imbalance often between Mm -hmm. it can be you know, for instance, I work with high net worth women that are you know, essentially coming in to, to take more power over their wealth and often almost 100% of the time because they want to create more impact. Uh-huh. But they, for instance, been told um, by their advisors, by their family members, oh, no, no, you don't understand this. Like this is this is real finance. Like you don't understand you know, this impact. Mm. Um, I hear entrepreneurs that you know come to the table that say, "I don't want traditional finance. You know, I want to. You know, we want to grow this company to be cooperative. That's owned by you know its users." Being told that's not how you know you can access financing. Um, I see you know foundations and other types of um, nonprofits coming in and saying like we want to be able to you know fund sustainably and responsibly but not necessarily at market prices and being told oh but you're not going to be able to continue your endowment you know so it's just, there's this often this like power imbalance um, and I one of the things I really try and do with all of my work is to really empower people that feel like they know nothing about finance, but they don't have to necessarily. They can be really grounded in what they know about impact and then go to people and say, this is what I want to do from an impact perspective. How do we make finance work for that? Mm-hmm. As opposed to how what 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 works for, for what we're trying to do. And I think that's where it takes humility on the sense of the financiers saying, okay, I don't understand what you're trying to do from an impact perspective. So let me learn more about that. And then let me tell you about, instead of what you can't do, let's find ways to be more creative about this. So I, that's for me, like, the, like, I think we'd solve a ton if there was kind of just more of a power balance between, you know, those that are really trying to build significant impact and those that are, you know, structuring, financing, kind of, you know, with the with the capital on the other side. Mm, and an, an invitation to listen to each other and to open up doors for possibilities. That's what I'm Absolutely. I'm Work together mm. to create things as opposed to this is how it works. Either you fall in line or you don't. Mm. So we're talking about making financing instruments that are relevant here and that are built collaboratively. What Do you have a story or something that uh, 
you know, unexpected breakthrough around financing instrument that you later on say, well, that was innovative, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> had a few. So one I'll go back to um, that's actually quite um, quite a while ago now. Um, we I was actually grading papers. Um, it was over oh, the, the Christmas <laughs> holiday and I was grading some papers and there was this paper um, I just thought actually because I have my students often create you know innovative financing instruments when I teach and uh, the student create this paper that essentially referenced um, paying um, funds to to create impact. Um, and I, I was, you know, sitting there and I was like, wow, this is actually a really good idea. I have never seen this done. I wonder if we could do this. And so I took it back to my team, um, at that point, um, in, in, in South Africa here. And I said, do you think we could do this? And this was in early January and we started playing with this idea and playing with this idea. And we ended up reaching out to someone, um, at the national treasury here. And they were like, this is great, but you need to put it into a full blown proposal, like but in the next like essentially 10 days like, it's like <laughs> and th- it was this like massive scramble you know right to like do all of the financial modeling completely flesh it out like even though we didn't know but it ended up so you know and that went through multiple iterations and it got just shut down and then it got revitalized and, and now it's about 100 million well it, it's about depending on the you could there's different ways to because it's an interesting fund but let's say it's 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 close to a, a 25 million dollar fund now that exists that's a um in south african rand terms is a couple billion rand which is if, if significant here um that's called the green outcomes fund and um the idea really is to pay for um green social impact their green impact that's created by these funds and be able to encourage them to invest in more impactful investments Mm -hmm. and creating additional um essentially redirecting from landfills creating additional access to green energy creating green jobs Mm -hmm. and so that for me was it when it's the spark was a student paper that was like what if we did this and then kind of all the way to, you know, working with the national government in South Africa to fund it. And then, so it was, um, that was a, that was a fun one that um, it was a lot of work. And I have to say, I didn't do most of the work, um, but, um, you know, these ideas can really come from anywhere. Is this two questions. Did the student get good marks? And the second <laughs> They did. Is- they, they do have excellent marks. Are they on board? <laughs> You know, we did tell them about it. it was the idea has changed significantly from when um, from when we did it. But yes, of course, we told mm-hmm. the students about how it was their their paper. So technically, the papers are all double blind graded. Um, so I wasn't able to like yeah. go directly to the student, but I put it out to the class. I, I put it out to the class and said, you know, in marking your papers, you know, this is something we're working on. So then the student approached me and said, oh, that was my idea. And so then I was able to tell them. So Lovely. Wow. that's happened before. I've had that happen a few times and because I'm, I'm supposed to always most of the academic institutions I work with we do double blind grading mm-hmm. so we don't know who it is mm-hmm. so I have had to multiple times over the years kind of go out to the class and say hey I don't know who this was but this was a really great idea and I'd like to take it forward can you come find me um and that's always quite fun I love when I get to do that and they get very excited of course of course well wow, that's the uh, exciting value of prompts to generate ideas and to, to start new journeys mm-hmm. right absolutely so only I mean, I can imagine that you've got many, many stories of that kind. And and what what are you still restless about? One thing, Sabine, scale. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that one comes back all the time. What are you going to do about it? (laughs) Yeah, 
<laughs> no, so and this is really for me, it's something that is really defining the next pieces of work that I do. And I find myself saying no to a lot right now because I am kind of in in essence, I, I've told myself that I'm not going to work on things that are not going to be like significant. I spent, you know, 12 years and I would say a lot fewer of the things that I've done have scaled than I would like. Um, so, you know, it should be in the tens of billions of dollars um, that, you know, structure, but it's just not. Mm. And so I think for me, it is, it's not just about getting big. I think impact investing has gotten big. I mean, we're a trillion dollars, but the level of impact within that trillion dollars, I think is quite low. Mm. Um, so figuring out ways to, create space um, for very large amounts of capital, but that are allocated in ways that are very close to the ground. So aggregating more, you know, community, small business, you know, funding that is not necessarily, it can be huge amounts of funding, but that really still has this deep impact and this connection um, to, you know, individuals that are, that are actually building impact and is responsive to that. So some of the things I'm really excited about right now that I think, you know, are part of this is, is rethinking things like ownership, looking at employee mm. ownership and purpose trusts, you know, different types of shared ownership. So, you know, why can't we fund hundreds of thousands, millions of businesses that are actually owned by the people that work in them. Um, and, you know, then, you know, creating potentially these, you know, millions of, of B Corp employee owned companies that don't necessarily have to be doing something big, shiny, and, you know, the next Facebook, but, you know, providing essential services and, you know, well-made goods to individuals and providing dignified lives and doing that in ways that are green and that are responsive to um, individuals. And then also, you know, really harnessing public markets. So it is cheaper to access capital in public markets. Big corporations have very low costs of capital, whereas impact investing funds um, have very high costs of capital because they're private funds. And so how do we find ways to really access public markets to create much lower costs of capital um, for individuals and organizations that actually need them the most? So for me, that's really, um, it just, it's about scale now. Um, and it's not about, you know, lots and lots of small pilots anymore. And it doesn't mean we can't do, I think finding a ways to, to, to list, you know, having, you know, little individual tiny pieces of funding, you know, a thousand dollars for someone to, you know, buy, you know, a sewing machines. I'm not saying it has to be, you know, massive projects. It's just finding ways to make really substantial big pieces um, of capital available. Wow. So there's a lot to unpack. I think we could do a whole series with you just on this, uh, couple of avenues that you've described what do you what are we assuming that's limiting our thinking here and that prevents us from scaling it's a it's a really good question um I think a few things so one is we are often I think within the impact world still stuck in this we must prove that being impactful doesn't mean being less profitable or returning less money to employ or to um, investors. And I think that's just, that's a vestige of where we were, which, you know, 10 years ago, everyone was like, oh, but that's nice. That'll just be, you know, it's just kind of philanthropy. And it was very condescending. And so we were kind of like, well, no, we're going to show that social enterprises are more profitable, more successful. Impact investing funds make more money than traditional funds. And I think that was really the aim. And I think in that, we kind of lost this idea that actually there's there are appropriate levels of return. 
um, maximizing return is not necessarily mm -hmm. appropriate for many types of investment. Um, and I work with a lot of large families um, that have essentially said, and very publicly sometimes, that they, you know, are playing a rigged game. They have, you know, generational wealth um, from sometimes from, you know, pretty exploitative practices, both environmentally and um, socially. And for them, they feel uncomfortable actually looking for maximizing their return based off of that wealth. And so there's a set of people that are saying that. There's also, I think, a set of corporates and other like very financially focused organizations that are looking at and saying, we have a set of goals um, that you know need to be achieved globally, and you know from a micro level, things that we've agreed to, things and regulation, things. And so I think this, what we need to start thinking about is, you know, how do we really figure out what is the appropriate level of return, appropriate mm -hmm. level potentially of profitability, and also to whom do those profits go, and to whom do those dividends go. Because if we in impact investing continue to try and maximize returns and then distribute those returns to a very small set of people, we are doing nothing to make inequality better. We are actually making it worse. And so I think we need to really be asking questions about appropriate mm -hmm. levels of return, appropriate levels of profitability, but also who's getting Who's benefiting from this? I think we've done a really good job in the impact investing space of moving the idea of individuals and in the kind of donor space a bit, mm -hmm. I would say, but moving individuals from beneficiaries to producers and consumers. We've not done a good job yet of moving people from producers and consumers to wealth holders. And so that's that last jump that we need to look at, because only then will we actually be able to tackle inequality, which is incredibly pervasive and is very important in things like the climate, like gender equality, like racial equality. Um, and so only when we start moving to wealth holders and actually building wealth for individuals um, will we be able to tackle that. Mm -hmm. And for a large number of individuals, obviously not just a few. We've been very good at that. Sounds like a good business plan. So let's travel a little bit in the future. Imagine you've, you've been on the journey with a group of people who are moved from discomfort to humility and to learning, and you have tackled uh, the, the question of scale seriously and have also really considered the question you've just mentioned. Now, we're maybe 10 years, like 2033 or something. Who are these collaborators? you on it? So, I mean, I honestly, I see everyone as a collaborator. Um, I, the, the dream that I'm playing with right now um, is I would love to build, you know, a, a lab, a, you name what it, I don't know what exactly it will be called, but where you could have really large financial institutions engaging with smaller community um, organizations um, with foundations, with, you know, traditional wealth management organizations. I, I would like to see real collaboration um, amongst a much broader set of, um, of both funders as well as kind of innovators um, than, than we see in impact investing mm -hmm. right now, where it's kind of very self-selected. So 
for me, I'd love to see, you know, really large corporations step up to the table, as well as some of the you know, really large financial institutions that um, manage, you know, significant amounts of the world's capital. Um, so for me, getting it's about figuring out ways to get really big money around the table um, and then do quite authentically impactful um, things with it that um, that work for party for different parties that don't assume, you know, for instance, one of the things is that pension funds globally are really important from a source of capital. We can't assume that they can make, you know, below market or very risky investments because they're managing pensions for individuals that they need to pay out in 50 or 60 years. So how do we design ways for them to allocate capital that fit within their their parameters um and i think this requires some real ingenuity and a lot of different um, partners around the table so for me i would say big money in authentic ways so i i like when i sit down and i i, I joke that you know my favorite rooms now is when i'm sitting in a room and i know there's 10 billion dollars or more in the room like that like <laughs> that means that we can do something significant. we're not talking about you know like and i think small checks are important but we're talking about how do we do big amounts of small checks then. Yeah. Yeah. And not just, you know, tiny pieces. And so I think sometimes people get a little put put off by that. I'm not saying that we need to mainstream and find ways. I'm saying we need to find ways to get some of this big money to think quite radically. It doesn't have to be necessarily risky, but quite radically around um, how capital is allocated. Right. So let's let's have a little twisted question here. Imagine it's 2033. Okay. There has been some radical thinking and doing and check writing and, and wealth distribution. How do you feel? You were still in 2033, right? How do you feel you should have behaved irrespectively of the outcome for the past 10 years? No, I, uh, that's very interesting. I, have, I think I'll probably look back and wish I had listened more. Uh-huh. That's probably what I will do. That's generally when I look back on things and wish I will have listened more, even though I know that it's something I should do. That's probably how it will feel. Wow. So that's a, a call to action for, for everyone, I think, for every one of us. So uh, thank you, Oni. Thank you very much. Thank you You're very welcome. much for your contribution and your, your thoughts. Telling us that journey from discomfort to humility, learning, and ending with a, a call to listen more. Thank you. Ooh. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. Mm-hmm. Join me in the next episode of Being Thinking House of Trust. We will continue our journey with uh, people who ignite a positive impact through their investment, their resources, and networks. And the show is available to listen to anywhere you can find your favorite podcast. Yeah, so just look for Being Thinking House of Trust, the longest podcast title ever. And if you haven't subscribed yet, uh, well, do that. And feel free to share your favorite episodes and leave a review. There's always a learning opportunity, right? Listening opportunity. For more insights, events, and resources, and even jobs for people who love to invest in social change, you can open to uh, Oni uh, website. I will put that in the notes, but there's also a lot of jobs on my website. Just go and hop on to servanmoison.co.uk, follow and subscribe uh, to my regular Conscious Innovation updates. Until we meet again, be kind to each other. Goodbye for now. Bye.